Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. Now that Congress has passed a COVID relief plan that will sustain folks for the time being, Congress is turning their priorities towards other things, including the border. Many Republicans spent their Easter break visiting the border. A Senate Republican delegation visited Texas to get a firsthand look at migrant facilities and to learn from border and customs agents the issues they're dealing with. They told the Biden administration, if you do what you're planning, we're going to lose control of the border. They were right. That's South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham speaking to the press after his visit in Texas. Representative Andy Biggs also spent time at the border here in Arizona. On Fox Business, he said what is happening at the border is inhumane. They knew this was coming, and we know that because they're the ones who opened up the facilities in preparation for this surge. He's referring to the Biden administration's rollback of former President Trump's immigration policies. Biden has received much pushback from Republicans on his handling of the current migrant situation. And in February, U.S. Customs and Border Protection processed more than 28,000 migrants who were not turned away. That number more than doubled to over 68,000 in March. Most of them are families and children. The insufficient space to hold migrants in Arizona has forced Customs and Border Protection to release migrants into small communities like Ajo and Gila Bend in southern Arizona. In response, these towns and cities have declared a state of emergency. I recently spoke with Senator Mark Kelly, where I asked him what needs to happen to move forward. This should not be a, the responsibility of the state of Arizona, so we need better communication between DHS, the White House, CBP, Border Patrol, and Arizona mayors and towns and the NGOs. On Monday morning, the White House announced they are nominating Tucson Police Chief Chris Magnus to oversee CBP. How much of these statements are realistic or alarmist? What does the situation look like in these migrant camps? And how have the conditions along the border changed under President Biden? Here to break this down is immigration reporter Rafael Carranza. Rafa, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. So you've spent a lot of time reporting about these migrant camps, these um, facilities that are really overburdened here in Arizona, over in California, elsewhere. What are the conditions like in the camps and where are most of the migrants coming from? What are their stories? Uh, most of the migrants at the border are coming from Central America and from Mexico. Uh, and last year you had a major shift, a sort of reversal in migration patterns happening at the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, historically, you've had his, uh, uh, single Mexican adults that have made their way to the border. Over the course of the past few years, it had been uh, Central American families and minors. And so now we're seeing a reversal back to, to uh, single adults from Mexico. But you also still have large numbers of Central Americans that have made up the majority of apprehensions, especially since President Joe Biden took office. And uh, the, the, the camps um, are kind of a product of uh, a policy that has been implemented at the U.S.-Mexico border known as Title 42. It took effect under uh, President Donald Trump. 
And essentially, it just allows uh, the, the U.S. border officials to turn away migrants at the border. Um, and so that has created a, a big bottleneck of migrants that are essentially stuck um, on the Mexican side of of uh, the, the border waiting to seek refuge or to seek asylum in the United States. Many of them have been waiting in rooms or apartments that they've been renting. Uh, but you also have many in shelters and now increasingly in, in migrant uh, camps like the ones in Tijuana, uh, where, where they're hoping that the Biden administration will take action and process them soon. The, the conditions they face uh, along the U.S.-Mexico border, especially in some of these camps and even in some of the places that they're renting, are are very difficult. In many cases, they don't have easy access to basic services like showers and safety remains a big concern throughout the entire U.S.-Mexico border. So, Rafa, that's how things are. But give people a sense of how the conditions along the border have changed since President Biden took office. How much of this is new? How much of this had sort of been going in this direction for a while? So these conditions are not necessarily new. They have been, you know, happening for for many, many years, but there have been some slight changes and some noticeable important uh, changes. That they've had some important consequences. Uh, the main difference here is the change in tone from the Biden administration. They have had more of a welcoming approach, more of a humane approach uh, to, to immigration. Um, but Repo Republicans have really seized on that to claim that, you know, they're essentially just inviting more people to come to the border. Uh, but it's important to, po to point out that, you know, the pandemic has really upended things at the border. Um, I mentioned Title 42 earlier. This has been significant because it has allowed border officials to turn away over 637,000 migrants since it was implemented last March. That is a massive number. Um, however, you know, these migrants that are being turned back uh, mostly to Mexico, they're not going anywhere. They are essentially, you know, stuck on the on the Mexican side and Nearly one in four people that uh, Border Patrol has apprehended at the border uh, over the course of the past month, for example, um, they had attempted to cross the border previously more than once. So these are individuals who are attempting to cross repeatedly because this policy um, you know, allows them, it just essentially sends them back across the border and they're able to try again. Um, additionally, Biden has said that he would not turn back any unaccompanied children for humanitarian reasons. And you also have a lot of migrant families that are not being turned away either. So what that means essentially is that you have more people that Border Patrol is bringing into their custody and not enough space to hold them. That has been a really big challenge, especially when it comes to the children. And that has forced the Biden administration to open up uh, at least a dozen emergency shelters to house and process all these children uh, at the border. So this may seem a little basic, but the reason why we are seeing such a rush likely is that these people anticipate that there will be some form of immigration reform here in the United States that perhaps could allow them to, to stay legally, right? Well, it's interesting to note that, for example, uh, for immigration reform, the policies that the Biden administration has been pushing through would not apply to anybody who is a recent arrival. You would have had to be in the United States uh, for, for some time already. Um, however, uh, you know, this is a result of, as I mentioned, that huge bottleneck at the border, essentially because of the pandemic, the U.S. has not been able to process anyone over the past year. And so all of those individuals who normally would have been processed, um, you know, taken in at the border are stuck in Mexico. And it just has created this, you know, big demand 
uh, that, you know, has in itself created some other issues on the Mexican side. So we mentioned earlier that CBP is releasing migrants, many of them um, asylum seekers, right, into these small communities here in southern Arizona. Why are they doing that? And how many asylum seekers have actually been released in these uh, communities that we know of? And how are these small towns, these nonprofits, how are they handling with this often sort of unpredictable influx, sudden influx of, of people who, who need services? What is important to understand in this situation is that uh, the consequences of the current border enforcement policies are essentially falling upon border communities and in particular the nonprofits who have been forced to respond to many of you know these changes. Um, so they've really been challenged. But this is a, a big deal because in addition to the large number of children that have been arriving to the border, you also have large numbers of families, especially from Central America and other parts of Latin America. And Border Patrol has said that they are not legally allowed to transport migrants to shelters, to migrant shelters as they have in the past. Um, you know, they cite numerous court rulings that kind of limit their ability to, to handle and care for, for children in their custody. Uh, but uh, we don't really have a clear indication of how many people have been released um, over the course of the past year, at least since the pandemic restrictions began last March. But to give you some uh, context, uh, the apprehension statistics for this past month for March, uh, Customs and Border Protection did not turn away over 66,000 migrants. Um, that's out of about 170,000 that they encountered throughout the entire month. And so 66,000 is a very large number, and most of them are either children who travel to the border unaccompanied or they are migrant families. And so the families that are not being turned back are being uh, paroled into the United States. So they're being allowed in and given a notice to appear in court at a later date. Um, however, uh, because Border Patrol says that they can no longer transport them to migrant facilities, migrant shelters, they are releasing them into border communities like Yuma, like Ajo and Gila Bend, um, some very small cities that have very limited services. And so that has created big challenges that especially nonprofits have responded to trying to come up with ways to uh, test them for COVID-19, because after all, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And then, you know, finding ways to transport them to larger cities like Phoenix and Tucson, that do have transportation options and other services for these families to continue on their way. So you mentioned the pandemic, um, Rafa. How has that exacerbated the uh, the situation at these facilities? Um, and what has all of the pandemic meant for uh, the flow of people through smugglers, uh, for example, uh, where migrants and asylees uh, have been supposed to be waiting their turn, has this forced people into the arms of smugglers instead? The big key piece here is Title 42. This is a policy that has allowed U.S. border officials to turn away over 637,000 migrants at the border. And um, they've done this because uh, CBP has said that, that you know, taking in migrants and holding them in custody increases their, their likelihood of, of spreading COVID-19. And as a result of that, they've also reduced their holding space at many of their border holding facilities 
um, you know, to comply with some of these safety guidelines. Um, so, you know, that means that there are essentially, you know, less beds, less space available to hold many of these migrants. Um, and because many of them are being turned back to Mexico, especially under Title 42, um, that has created a large population that is, you know, just stuck essentially, and they're left waiting. So many of them are willing to wait a little longer, but you also have thousands more that are, you know, living in increasingly desperate conditions. And so that has made them very easy targets for smugglers, especially, uh, you know, to get out of these situations and to try to cross the border in some very risky and dangerous methods. Um, you do have investigators and border officials, you know, they, they acknowledge that this has become a big issue and uh, th they point out that there has been an increase in smuggling activity along the U.S.-Mexico border because, you know, there is such a large number of people essentially waiting. But then you also have uh, misinformation, which has been a very big tool, a, a very big recruitment tool for smugglers. Uh, because of, you know, some of these overtures that the Biden administration has made when it comes to immigration, uh, the smugglers are taking advantage of that and convincing individuals who, again, you know, are often coming from very, de uh, uh, from very desperate situations that this is the time to cross, especially, you know, if they have children that, you know, they'll have, they'll have an easier time to do that. And so, you know, that campaign of misinformation, because it's not, it's not, you know, true, essentially, um, has, you know, also uh, contributed to, to this issue of having more people come to the border um, and um, you know, acted as, as a big push or a big driver for, for some of these numbers that we have been seeing as well. So a lot of lawmakers are using terms like crisis and inhumane to describe the situation at the border. Is it truly a crisis at the border right now, or are these sort of alarmist terms to try to return attention to the conditions um, at the border as Democrats are, you know, out on their Easter break now back in Congress, but really trying to tout the um, assistance that a lot of people are, are getting from the COVID relief plan and, you know, some of these other um, uh, big agenda items that the Biden administration is rolling out like infrastructure. Um, yes, there's been a lot of debate over the use of the word crisis. You have the Biden administration pushing back against that idea, uh, claiming that it's more cyclical in nature, that you have waves of migrants essentially uh, occurring every few years because of a broken immigration system. But um, you also have to note that, you know, with Republicans, uh, a border crisis has always been you know, very beneficial politically. It's a way to rally voters. We certainly saw it uh, with President Donald Trump, who made uh, immigration one of his signature issues that uh, likely propelled him to the White House in 2016. So um, I, I do think that, you know, two things could be true here. Um, there, the, the migration patterns, you know, are, you know, very cyclical. However, you know, some of the consequences that are happening at the border um, do approach sort of crisis levels, so at least creates you know some some humanitarian challenges that you know many other individuals, including migrant advocates, you know agree you know could be defined as a crisis, but not necessarily because of the reason that Republicans are are stating. Um, and so you know the I think the numbers alone can be very eye popping. I think the the, the notion that 170 thousand migrants were apprehended in March is significant because. Numerically, that would be, you know, one of the highest numbers in, in almost two decades. However, when you look at those numbers, um, you really have to look at the context behind them. 
Um, and th those apprehension numbers are a bit inflated because as you know, as I have mentioned, approximately 28%, so one in four people that Border Patrol has apprehended at the border, they have tried crossing more uh, than once. So they have tried crossing repeatedly. So the 170,000 are not individual, you know, crossing statistics, but rather the number of times that the migrants were uh, encountered. And so there are many individuals within that 170,000 that had already made that attempt more than once. Um, additionally, you also have a, a large number, a large increase in the number of migrant children and families, but that number is significantly smaller than in 2019 when you had, you know, the arrival in such large numbers that border officials were once again overwhelmed and they were releasing large numbers of families um, along the border in Arizona and in other, other states as well. But that doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't come with, with challenges. It, it doesn't change the fact that border holding facilities are not designed for children or for families, and they're not designed for long-term detention. Border Patrol uh, ha and uh, Customs and Border Protection, uh, they have legal mandates, um, rules essentially that they have to follow when it comes to the, tr the treatment of children and how much time they're able to have them in custody. It can't be over 72 hours. And so when you have such a large number of children and families coming, um, that's going to you know, put a severe strain on their ability to get them out of their custody within that 72 hour frame, which is, again, why we've seen the Biden administration open up over a dozen emergency shelters to try to find a place for these families and get them out of these holding facilities that are not designed for kids or families. Well, Rafa, that seems like a good place to stop for now. Uh, this story obviously will continue to unfurl, and we'll certainly look forward to watching your uh, your coverage in weeks to come. Thanks for coming on The Gaggle. Listeners, be sure to follow his reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking local. Rafa, where can people find you on Twitter? They can also follow me at Rafael Carranza. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Ron, we saw quite a bit of messaging around the um, situation at the border by Republicans during the Easter break. How might their party be viewing this issue, um, especially as they sort of try to regroup um, ahead of 2022? Yeah, so this this felt like a very familiar conversation returning to an issue that uh, has served Republicans well in, in some elections uh, in different cycles in years past. Um, we've seen it here in Arizona for sure. Andy Biggs seems like is uh, only tweeting and talking about the situation at the border. Um, but we've also seen that from others as well. So uh, nationally, this is a subject that uh, the GOP feels is a winner for them politically in it's addressing squarely a major concern for a large segment of their base. This is also, it should be noted, coming at a time when the party is still trying to figure out how to finesse the issue of former President Donald Trump. He used this issue to great effect in his election campaigns and remains a wild card factor for the future of the party right now. So returning to an issue that it, you won't be uh, crosswise with Donald Trump by uh, you know, sort of 
wanting a crackdown and, and just reinforcing this as a major issue. So this is a good way to stay politically relevant, to talk to your base and to uh, really avoid bigger political problems uh, in the near term for Republicans. It remains to be seen how potent this will be in the midterms. And Yvonne, I can't help but think that this is also a major uh, factor for Democrats. They have now uh, some um, some expectations. They're in the majority across the board. Talk about what they are saying and, and what's really at stake for them. Sure. Well, Democrats, um, especially those here in Arizona, are not um, disputing that there is a major problem at the border. The Biden administration and a lot of Democrats are clearly and pretty conspicuously trying to avoid using words like crisis. Um, you know, they talk about how it's challenging. It's a challenging moment. It's a awful situation. The conditions are, um, you know, clearly not what they would like them to be, but um, they are, are really sort of going out of their way to try to avoid using some of those words that uh, we hear Republicans um, use quite a bit uh, to describe what what they're seeing down at the at the border, and Democratic members here are really sort of talking a lot about the different um, vulnerabilities that they are seeing at the at the border, and they're really speaking in terms of um, the holding situations that Rafa talked about, the the situations with. Um, drop-offs in these small communities. They are really sort of emphasizing the efforts that they are um, making to try to avoid these sort of unannounced drop-offs that leave a lot of these communities scrambling. Um, at the same time, some of these Democrats are calling for increased resources at the border. That might mean additional federal judges. It might mean, um, you know, in, in, increased uh, border security measures, technology, humans, I mean, the same sort of messaging that we've sort of heard for a long time. They're not talking about, you know, the giant border wall or um, some of these other things that we saw come out of the uh, Trump administration. Um, so, you know, stay tuned, I suppose, on, on how this sort of might play. I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not the Biden administration decides to prioritize immigration reform in the next several months. I mean, if they want to get something like this passed, this would be a monumental task, something we have not seen in a meaningful way for decades. If they want to get it passed. They got to move quickly. And all indications um, are that they're going to move on other issues that might bring bipartisan support, like the infrastructure plan, which could take us well into the summer, possibly into the fall. What do you think about timing on that, Ron? Yeah, so I think it definitely is later than we might think politically. Um, we have midterm elections in 2022. The closer we get to the turn of the calendar, the more that politics will necessarily creep into all considerations. The fact is, Washington always wants to talk about walking and chewing gum at the same time, but Boy, it's it's hard to do. I think right now the administration is is focused on infrastructure. There's it's an expensive proposition, but it's also deemed a very worthwhile uh, use of their political capital. So, and it may be a way to try and build up some uh, political capital uh, with some Republicans that they will definitely need if they want to push forward on immigration 
next. But given the imperative on infrastructure and the reality of the timetable, it seems like that's going to get us to the back end of 2021 before there's really uh, sort of any kind of wide opening to, to tackle something next. Um, and if they are going to push forward on immigration, they're going to have to do it in that narrow window, late 2021 by early uh, 2022, before the political fractures that are on the horizon will become an impediment. And yes, that means we're going to be dealing with the uh, the limits in the Senate with the filibuster as it stands. But stay tuned. I'm sure we'll get to that in future episodes. Oh, believe me, we will. <laughs> All right, Gaggle listeners, that is it for today. As a courtesy note, audio in today's episode came from Fox Business and The Sun on YouTube. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Emmanuel Lozano. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.